0: Hello and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, October 25th, otherwise known as National Greasy Food Day. Oh, hell yeah. One of my favorite days. Yeah. There was actually a lot of holidays today, but I had to go greasy food. What did you pass up on? I've got to ask. Uh, something that was probably a little bit more pertinent to us, which was Artist's Day.
1: Wow. Way to go, Chris. But no, wait, I, go I, on. I, I disagree. Food. I think greasy food is more our bag.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, only a, a, a douche would describe themselves as an artist. But I'd mm. gladly describe myself as a enthusiast of greasy food.
1: It's weird. I would be okay describing my work as my art, but I would never describe myself as an artist.
0: Yeah, you're not allowed to. Pretty pretentious. Alright, should we get into it? Nothing on greasy food?
1: No.
2: I just try and avoid <laughs> it as much as possible. Very nice. In and out is the one thing that I never have second I never think twice. You about never going doubt. it.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Or regret it. Well do you think that like greasy food has always had a unhealthy connotation right yeah i don't know but now i mean maybe not a long time ago but now like people are starting to see with as studies are getting better that fat's not necessarily as bad it's more in you know just has to be the right kind of fats in the right proportions and that sugar and empty sort of carbohydrates can actually be just as bad for you so
0: yeah i think fat has the unfortunate uh, quality of having the name "fat." <laughs> that's that's yeah. its main downfall. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: If it was called something else, we probably wouldn't think of it that way. But since it's called fat,
1: so mm-hmm. we should just start calling excess weight sugar.
0: Yeah, there you go. Yes. Then we'll that's we'll exactly switch it. the whole paradigm. Mm.
1: That is pockets. funny, right? Like cause <laughs> if if sugar slowly gets demonized. Like in the South, people won't say, hey, sugar, how you doing? Just be, hey, fat.
0: Hey, fatty, how you doing? <laughs> All right. Is that Hot the episode this name?
2: morning. I like it. Yeah.
0: Morning? Well, I don't this know. Is... Maybe
2: that's when people are listening to it. That's true. On the drive
0: good, to work. Good point. Hot takes whenever you're listening to this. There we go. Okay. What are you guys working on? Mike, are you out of the woods with this bathroom yet? Are you still going? Let me tell you what.
2: I'm going to go and I'm going to say, Ben, you were not joking when you said building a store is a lot of work and time consuming. (laughs) I am neck deep in this store build out and I am almost done with it. Only problem today that we're recording is Wednesday and they're opening on Friday. So I've got a lot of things to get done tomorrow. Uh, Hopefully it's a very productive day with minimal hitches along the way. But as long as everything does go correctly, run smooth, then the store, which is 1032 Space, my buddy Caleb, who has been filming with me in the past and has worked with me and we're homies and all that kind of stuff it's the store that he's opening so if you're into streetwear if you're into fashion and clothing and the types of brands that rappers wear go to that store i don't know really anything about that sort of stuff so i'm just kind (laughs) of lending as much creative input as i can with the pieces of furniture and the actual displays but everything else in there i'm passing that along because i don't know
0: I'd like to see an Instagram post with you all decked out in the streetwear.
2: Oh, that's what I should do. Yeah, I'll just go up there and say, "Give me one of everything that's most expensive, and then put it on."
0: <laughs> give me whatever's going to give me the most street cred. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking for that swag, boy. Yeah, do that
2: looking in the that wrap drip.
1: up it in in the video at the end, like during the credits. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> you do, do it too, as like a montage, like kind of like Pretty Woman when she goes oh, shopping and tries on shops. all the different. Yeah. Mm.
2: Pop out of the dressing room in <laughs> ten different outfits, all cut
0: yeah.
1: cutscenes. Us oh, yeah. like shaking
0: go. our head no, and then giving a thumbs up. And- <laughs> exactly,
2: man. I'm really tempted to do that. Uh, no, we'll, you, we'll you, see.
1: You need to. Okay, I'm flying in. I right. just bought my ticket. Speaking of videos, you need to do, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sent you a DM on Instagram. Of you guys know who Salt Bay is? He's the guy that like cooks all the meat and then like sprinkles the salt on it.
2: Yes, Mm-mm. very familiar. You don't know Salt Bay, Chris? I don't know it, man. I'm out of the loop. No, I know. But do you ever know whenever people are seasoning I, things in general, yeah, I know they that. do the yeah, thing yeah. where I've seen that. The, the hand over from the elbow him? move. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's Salt Bay. Yeah, so Salt that Bay, all came from one
1: guy. I think he's Turkish, maybe. Yeah, hmm. but he's a full on like restaurateur, like legit. Right, but he's also like an amazing, he has like a, incredible knife skills, particularly with like red meats. And he does all the meats, like, really, really well. And his Instagram is pretty entertaining and also, like, educational about cooking red meat. Anyways, he did this really funny video of, like, a day in his life that I think Mm -hmm. you should do, like, a similar thing of. Okay, I don't
2: think I saw it, but I need you to send it to me again because I'm very
0: interested in this.
1: Okay, I'll send it to you, and I will repost it in the stories of the Modern Maker podcast Instagram account. Which you It'd all funny, should be following.
0: It would be funny if that guy had just, like, great red meat knife skills, but, man, can't cut chicken for shit.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, hang on. What was the big takeaway of the of the post on Instagram you were telling me about?
1: Oh, he just did this really funny video about a day in the life, and... It's an obvious parody, like it it just exaggerates his life, but it's really funny. And I was thinking, you should do the same thing, like heavy emphasis on like blow drying your hair, pomade, (laughs) then like lots of making stuff, but like really pantomimed. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good.
2: Plus, it's a good way to promote the Modern Builds signature pomade. Ooh, Ooh. that's right. Get it today. Get it today. Just Google search Modern Builds pomade. Pretty easy. Google's pretty good at that kind of thing. It is pretty good. It can sort some stuff out. (laughs) But yeah, for me, that's pretty much all this week. I've been working tirelessly, if you will, uh, to get everything built. I'm building the big cash register stand, a bunch of pedestals out of OSB. Broadly, the theme is OSB and raw steel. Uh, Along with that, some clothing racks, a couple of benches. So if you're in the Oklahoma City area, Friday. It's downtown in Deep Deuce. If you know where that is, then you'll know but once again just follow <laughs> at 1032 space. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> we got to
0: yeah. we got to explore this.
2: You can't just gloss over Deep Deuce. <laughs> I know it's a terrible <laughs> terrible name for like a part of downtown, but no, it's an amazing name.
1: Is there a deep, Is there a Shallow Deuce? Is there a Deep Deuce saloon?
2: No, but there's a Deep Deuce Grill. Ugh.
1: Is there ever trouble in Did Deep
2: Deuce? Lie. Some people do, you know, get themselves into a really deep deuce with the law occasionally. But, you know. Deep deuce. Deep deuce. <laughs> deep deuce. I was trying to find the joke there that wasn't like too on the nose with yeah. the poop jokes. Well, we but got it. We got it. Mm. All right. What are you guys working on? Who wants to go next? Because I'm more interested in what y'all are up to.
0: I'll be quick, so I'll, I'll go next, and then we can give the line share to Ben. So I uh, just finished up building that record player console that I was talking about last week. I'm excited for this project. Yeah, it came out really good. I think this is... Um, the third record console you've built? It's the, it's the third record player console, and you know what? All the record player consoles have been like highly stylized. I think they've been some of my my most stylized projects. That's why I'm excited for it. Every single one of them has been very dramatic. Yes, and I think this one falls in line too, and I think this is actually the nicest functioning of all that I've built so far, and probably because there's almost no function to it. It's just like a stagnant thing, no drawers, no doors, no anything. What's up, Mike? So my big question,
2: it's functional, yes, but is the record player, the turntable itself, is it built in, or is it sitting on a tabletop? It's sitting on top. Oh, okay. So it's a media console
0: yeah i mean you could yeah <laughs> i'm, you, uh, I'm it, would, it actually so yeah it's definitely slanted towards being a record player console because it has all like a bunch of small partitions for storing records in
2: man that's really smart
0: so, yeah so it would be the type of thing that like you could technically use it for a you know a tv stand or whatever but you'd have to figure out something to do with all those little partitions some a bunch of magazines or something maybe totally yeah so i mean there's not really much else to say about that i'm working on editing the video right now so i'm trying to kind of hustle my way through it so that i can get it sent off really soon and hopefully get it approved and then hopefully get it up we're shooting uh, the deadline is saturday so it'll be up by then at the latest but i'd Mm -hmm. like to try to get it up before that if possible so be on the lookout for that it may be out right now who knows
1: awesome i'm excited ben what are you up to Uh, Construction on a tiny house has been intermittent. We're closing in on the end, and there's a lot of things like waiting for the electrical company to come and connect power from the pole to the building, waiting for the water company to come and connect it to the main. So we haven't been going full-on construction. It's been like maybe two or three days a week lately. Tomorrow, hopefully, or sorry, Friday, hopefully, The planters, which will be part of the septic system, and the part that I'm the most interested in will arrive. And I went and checked them out the other day, and I I posted a highlight of them on my Instagram in the stories. They're these cool, big, precast concrete planters. And they're about 9 feet long and 5 feet wide. And what's interesting is that I've seen planters like this before. And this is a company that makes planters, storm drains, septic tanks all out of concrete. And they have this big, like, shaker table that, like, vibrates, you know, these big industrial molds and do it.
2: How big is the table?
1: Uh, I didn't see it, but they were just telling me about it. But it's got to be pretty
2: freaking huge, though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Bigger than 9 by 5 And what's interesting is that I've seen these kind of planters before, and they always have these kind of, like, ribs on them and these weird little markings and stuff that I've never known what they were for. But they were showing me how they were going to load them up onto the truck, and it's so they can crane them. And it's... (laughs) and they're not like a full like you know hole or anything that something goes through they're just these clever little dents that allow this these loops of chain to kind of slide right in and just catch mm. enough friction to pick up so it's like one of those things where suddenly it's like you see this artifact from a different civilization and you have no idea what the use is for and then all of a sudden it just clicks oh they use it for this thing and that's what i figure out whenever i'm interacting with industrial trades i'll see something i'm like that's just always seems like random and arbitrary and then all of a sudden it makes total sense for for how they work on a day to day basis Mm -hmm. so that's what's going on with the tiny house and because i've only been there two or three days a week i now have time to sort of get back to youtube videos which my youtube channel has been uh, uh sorely neglected Just hit million, and then you're, like, coasting. So there's a few things that I'm working on. One is figuring out a way to show more of the design process for the projects. And so I'm experimenting with that with the the Gary B project. And it's the table I made with the the legs that are made out of welded pieces of steel pipe. Mm -hmm. And so I tried doing a little whiteboard session where I kind of show the thinking behind the final design. So we'll see how that comes out. That video should be out relatively soon. And then I also built a new chin-up bar, and I wanted to do one that was freestanding that didn't need concrete. And me and Mike had been talking for a while about how cool we think like A-frame designs are, how it's, it's having to come back. All the yeah. 70s stuff is cool again, including A-frame architecture. Coming back. Bell bottoms. So I did an A-frame one out of two by sixes and a piece of steel pipe, and it came out really good it's just a circular saw and a drill project so super easy
2: it's really efficient too for the size base you're able to make yeah,
1: yeah. it takes a really small amount of lumber it seems like so when mike when you get back we got to work on the muscle up game
2: Uh-oh. oh man Whew. okay i'm down
1: can you do one now um i, haven't I don't tried think i yet. could but i think so. i'm down to i'm down do, to train i can probably do a pretty ugly one
0: i can okay. do half a one
1: yeah. A pull up, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have some sort of pull up challenge. Uh So I, I knocked that out. It was one of those projects that I always recommend this. If you sort of are out of the shop for a while and you need to get back in, pick like an easy win and like a big outdoor project made out of two by lumber and just a couple tools is like an easy win. There is no sort a lot of, of room
2: for error on that. Right. One. right?
1: Yeah. So it was it was a fun one to ease back into it. I had the whole you know, concrete driveway all cleared off and just knocked it out. So that was fun. Got back in the swing of making more DIY project size things. And then other than that, uh, my buddy Christian Dunbar, the furniture designer, was in town. And we're working on that that big cypress slab that you picked up. Awesome. What are you planning on doing with it? Are you going to do some epoxy action in there? Yes. So he wants to do an outdoor table. So him and his wife, Genevieve Gorder, are in L.A. for a few months, because she's got TV stuff to do, and they needed an outdoor table for their rental house, and so I'm, oh, got this slab, knock out a project. So he was looking and got some marine-grade epoxy that should be UV-resistant enough to use for an outdoor table, and as we started planning on the table, we began to suspect that it's not actually cypress. It might be redwood, or cedar, because it smells a lot like cedar. And I guess cypress isn't supposed to have much of a smell, so. I don't know. Uh, wood mysteries. Wood mi- exactly.
2: Yeah, I don't. Is I a, really don't know. All I can do is saying. go off the thing that the guy at the sawmill says. But, but I would be surprised if this guy was wrong. I would because too. he seemed to be like one of those guys that is really proud of the fact that he has a lot of knowledge right. about.
1: Woods. Yeah, but those are often the people that are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you say it confident enough, they'll think you're right. Proud so, people are
0: always wrong. If,
1: if, yeah, that's a really good point. If there's any wood experts out there, mm-hmm. and the reason why – okay, so we think it might be cypress because the the wood itself is hard, and most of the cedar that I've used has been pretty soft. Like most cedar I've handled, you can put a dent in it with your fingernail. This right. you cannot. But it smells just like cedar. Huh. Uh, and it has a little bit of a pinkish tint when you sand it. So uh, so if anybody knows about any weird variations on Cypress,
2: then that might be it.
1: Yeah. But hmm. We'll post some pictures of it and people can weigh in on what they think the mystery wood is.
0: Name
2: awesome. that okay, wood. I've got a couple of really fast questions about it. One, I, w- I assume y'all are going to weld up a metal base, yeah?
1: You got it. Yep.
2: Okay, cool. But my real question is, I guess since you said you're using marine grade epoxy so it won't yellow, but it it dries crystal clear. It's uh, he's tinting
1: it uh, opaque, like sort of a oh, whitish.
2: Perfect. Okay. Well, that was kind of my question.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds fun. But uh, like apparently they have like epoxies that they use for boats that will stay pretty clear, and that you cool. add additional uh, things to it. The other thing that we sort of did because the, the other reason why he wanted to use opaque uh, uh, epoxy is because the voids are pretty big, and that way you could use less, and so. He did like a little layer of epoxy and then he put in a whole bunch of like wood chips and filler and stuff like that and then huh. did a little bit of epoxy on top. So uh should be a fun fun project another another slab and and base project which I think I've kind of hit my quota for them for the year like this will <laughs> definitely be definitely be the last one. I, I, I've been thinking about it a lot. Like I like tables I guess, yeah, it, it, you can fall into a trap of doing too many tables with just different bases, I think.
2: Uh, too many easy tables. Quote-unquote easy. You know, like, oh, here's the top, and I'll make a
0: base for it. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like it's probably the most DIY project? Like, it's kind of a first thing to build?
1: Yeah. Wait, say that again, Chris? I'm tables. sorry.
0: I was saying, don't you think that tables are kind of like the, the main DIY project? Because it's, like, just a first thing that you would want to build... You have a bunch of them in your house. It's relatively simple. Yeah. Like, you know, the information is...
2: It's simple, useful, and most people need one.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Although, you could say the same thing about a bed. It's all those things, plus it's less intimidating.
2: It's less intimidating. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it's an easy way to convince, like, your wife to go buy tools for the first time. Like, oh, I can whip up a car. Like, walking through Ikea... I'm sure a lot of dudes I could make are very convinced. for less than $60? Exactly. What? $150? Yeah. I could buy the tools for cheaper than this, which is true, and you can probably build it. So go for it. <laughs> Do it. Awesome. So earlier today, I shouted out on Instagram that we are looking for some killer podcast topics, and Ben has the list of a few that we really, really liked I got an absurd amount of DMs, so apologies for not individually replying to everybody, but a huge blanket thank you. We greatly appreciate it, and the ones that we liked, we have, what would you say, indexed them with who said them and what they are, so those could easily be future podcast topics as well. But for the meantime, Ben, what do you got for us?
1: Okay, so this one's from Erica Lynn, and she wrote in, can you share how your childhood experiences equipped, and and empowered you to be such a maker. I homeschool my kids and want to inspire such entrepreneurship and skills. Hmm. So I'll start since I had had the most time to think about it. I think the standard answer for this is Legos. People always answer that or like coloring and things like that. But if you drop like, I mean, I have two sisters and a brother, and we all had access to Legos, but we didn't all embrace them the same way. Mm-hmm. So I, I actually think books are – this may sound weird, but my answer would be picking books or movies or stories that really showcase making and design as a way for young people to take control of their own life. So for me, the, the books and movies that come to mind would be Huckleberry Finn. They like make a raft and it's their sort of their ability to sort of command the physical world is really inspiring because it made me see making as a a key to unlocking adventure, not just to making things that look cool. Uh another one would be Swiss Family Robinson, uh, where making is about how the family survived and all you know, everyone was sort of involved and both I love both the book and, and the movie as as a kid. Uh a third one would be a book that would be My Side of the Mountain, which was probably one of my favorite books as a kid, where it was like a young uh, guy goes off into the woods by himself and just figures out how to survive as he sort of runs away from home. And I don't think it's about the toys. I think the toys are what kids pick up as an expression of the interest. So I think in order to establish the interest, it's about letting them know that they're more capable than what they thought. And that's why I actually think a lot of the educational maker toys, like the constructs or the tinker toys, are kind of condescending because they're trying to say, here's the easy modular way to make stuff. Be creative within this system, whereas really the creative and entrepreneurial set is to do that with anything. So I think the other thing for for parents is uh, the thing I was always most grateful of my parents they never treated the yard as precious. So even if the lawn was nice and things like that, if me and my brother wanted to dig a giant hole and make a fort and then get sick of the fort and put a tarp in the hole and make a muddy swimming pool, we were allowed to do that. You know, nothing was precious, like everything was fuel for creativity and making and it didn't matter if we made messes or mistakes. And so It wasn't like, oh, be creative, but only with these nice little things that can get broken back up into the box. And Mm -hmm. so I've seen parents say, oh, you know, I got my kids all this stuff and they don't want to play with it. And it's because kids don't always want to just play with things. They sometimes just want to experiment and try things that are part of their everyday life, not just experiment with making with this separate little thing that then has to go back inside a box.
2: You bring up books made me remember one that I read a long time ago, and, I'm, and I probably forget the majority of the main plot points, but it's called Hatchet, and I'm Googling the author right now so I know what it is. The book is called Hatchet by Gary Paulson, and I don't even really remember the beginning of it, but the long story short is it's a similar situation to what you were talking about, but it's a young kid that has to go out into the wilderness for some reason, and really the only thing he has with him is a hatchet, And it's, like, incredibly precious because it's really the only tool he has. And he, like, builds a cabin with it and all kinds of stuff. But, yeah, you saying that really reminded me of it. But that's not what I'm going to talk about. I think the thing that was big for me as a kid was, one, similar to you, like, building forts with my brother. Uh, I was pretty big into G.I. Joe's. And I I had one that had a canoe. And it was my favorite by far. And we lived on five acres growing up, or my parents still do. And I used to make really long, intricate rivers by digging rivers and dams and all of this kind of stuff. So that was a pretty creative thing I did with a kid. But more so, and more answering the question, the thing that was really impactful on what I'm doing now was, even whenever I was really young, I was really, really interested in working and then making money for that. And so I always had jobs in the summer and winter. Like I was always mowing lawns. I was cutting and splitting and selling firewood during the winter, all of that kind of stuff uh, since I was pretty young. And if it wasn't for that same kind of thing, I definitely wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Not so much that YouTube is the money thing, but the money thing was what made me build things more whenever I got started. I built maybe a coffee table and one or two small gift things. Uh, In high school, kind of in the transition to whenever I was moving on to college, And once I got into college, I was building a lot of things and they were all music related things that I was selling to people that I was going to music school with. I was building guitar pedal boards and all this kind of stuff like I've mentioned. Um, So if it wasn't for me doing a lot of things to make money as a kid and really enjoying that for some reason and kind of like taking pride in that, I wouldn't have been building things later in my life, which would have not led to me being on youtube which i greatly enjoy
1: yeah for the entrep- tr- uh, for the entrepreneurial part of things i think not giving your kids money is a big part of it mm-hmm. from the time we were about nine or ten we were responsible for buying our own clothes and all of our stuff and if we wanted to make money we could work for my parents or work for the neighbors or things like that if you want your kids to be entrepreneurial don't give them money for nothing. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yeah. My parents were the same. Like we never really had allowance, but on that same note, especially my dad, he was always really awesome. Like whenever I was talking about cutting and splitting firewood, I was probably like 12, 13. So obviously I wasn't delivering it. And so, you know, I would be out there cutting and splitting it and he would help me too quite a bit. Um, but he would drive me to deliver it where I needed to go and all this kind of stuff. So Not only just like being cool with it, but also supporting that entrepreneurial kind of spirit. Um, I really, really appreciate my parents for that. That's really awesome. So thanks, guys. I know you're listening.
0: Thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, uh, listening to you guys talk, it actually, I've just kind of been reflecting back on it because I didn't have an answer going into this. So I'm going to try to kind of fumble my way through it. But growing up, I, I would say that I came from a relatively entrepreneurial family. Like, my grandpa mm-hmm. always owned businesses. He owned a bar. He owned a used car business. Uh, a lot of my uncles have owned different businesses. My parents had a, um, uh, like, a side business for probably, I don't know, eight years or so, um, doing wedding photography when I was probably, like, five until I was in my early teens, maybe. Um And so I think that even though like at the time it didn't have me thinking like, oh, I want to work for myself at some point, I think it probably did impact me on some level. Um, And also kind of what you were just talking about, Mike, like doing work early. So my grandpa, since he owned the bar, he would they would give us work that we could do early um, stripping. At the bar, no, uh, no, they would they would sell lottery tickets, and so uh we, they would have to stamp every single lotto ticket. So, like, I can remember him giving me like books of five hundred with a sportsman's lounge stamp, and I would just sit there stamping them, and I would get a penny a piece. So, I get five dollars per roll, and so I think that nice. actually like kind of like started showing me like the value of of doing work early. Um, and yeah it was always okay so then like i'm just continuing to think about this as i got older i, I got very into that card game magic the gathering i think we might have talked about that a couple of weeks ago right. I, yeah but i was into playing it for a little while but then i actually got really into just like trading the cards and like seeing how much kind of like money i could make through like doing various trades i would spend all my time at like the different tournaments we were at doing that so i think there was kind of that like drive to like see about see like different ways that i could make money um but then something you were talking about mike ha- it, it formed kind of another question in my head and so i'm going to simplify this but i'll say that there's like two kinds of entrepreneurs entrepreneurs
2: entrepreneurs, <laughs> entrepreneurs.
0: it's french it's a, hard it's word. a french french word yeah. uh a freedom word uh anyway so one would be somebody who wants to run a business and make money and they'll find that thing that makes them money that they're good at or that's easy for them. And then the second one, I would say, is the kind that wants to do something that they like and will find a way to make money doing that thing. I would put myself closer to that second kind. But then what I was thinking about is so, if you look at those two kinds of people on the spectrum of all people that exist, would you say that those two kinds of people are really close, and the mainstream is you know either to the left or the right of them, or are they actually kind of on complete opposite ends of the spectrum, with everybody else falling somewhere between the two?
2: I'm gonna do a very cold take, and I I feel like Ben's got a lot to say here. He looks excited. He's gonna. I'm gonna it. say the two ends of the spectrum are very close. Mm -hmm. when it comes to people that are entrepreneurial, I think there's people that do lean to more of an opportunist, where it's just like, oh, here's a good opportunity to make money rather than here's a creative endeavor. Um, But I think that's really what it is. I think it's more of a shift on how creative is the person because the person that's really strong creatively is going to have a a drive to fulfill that. And if you're also entrepreneurial on top of that, then you're going to figure out how to make money at it. But if you maybe lack creativity... Than being more of what I would consider to be like an opportunist in terms of being entrepreneurial, then that's probably more natural. I think creativity is the main variable there.
1: Right. Yeah, I would say that what you're describing is a curious entrepreneur, mm-hmm. and then a, and an ambitious and confident entrepreneur. Right, would be those mm-hmm. the words I'd use to describe those two ends of the spectrum. A lot of my business uh, friends and and people I sort of connect with on that are. I'm in this like network of about about a hundred entrepreneurs that mostly do digital stuff, and I would say the 90% of them are in this sort of really smart, ambitious sort of thing, and then about 10% are successful photographers, designers, athletes that are in that sort of. They're just more curious. They they're ambitious about questioning. Why can't I just do it this way? Why can't I make my life about this? This is what I care about. And they kind of put the business stuff a little bit secondary. They just use it as fuel so that they can go farther in their curiosity.
0: I just had another thought, actually, too. So to kind of throw back to the early in this episode when we were talking about uh, the just just deduce. No, the descriptor (laughs) artist does entrepreneur kind of taking on that same thing where, like, it would feel weird to describe yourself as that.
2: No. You don't think so? No. Like, I wouldn't say, hi, my name's Mike. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah, I would say, but I would, well, I guess it's the same way I would consider myself. I'd be like, yeah, I'm kind of artistic. I would also say like, yeah, I'm entrepreneurial.
0: To me, it does actually have a very similar feeling Yeah, of like, I, I would kind of have like a cringy feeling of describing myself that way.
1: I would cringe if you put that in the bio of your Instagram page.
0: What if it was entrepreneur slash artist?
1: And that's the (laughs) problem. I'm putting that. Woodworker, entrepreneur, artist, yoga ambassador.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the problem. It's those people that ruin the word artist and ruin the word entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. If those people didn't exist, I would probably be a lot more open saying, yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess if anything, I would admit to having artistic and entrepreneurial tendencies, but I would never describe myself well, that I, way. I
1: think that's why people like the term maker, because it kind of yeah. can cover the space in between. If, it
0: feels blue collar. It feels like blue collar in comparison. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That it is it's funny. The word isn't douchey. The way it's used is is the problem. Right. But
0: exactly it's
1: still not as bad as calling yourself a CEO when <laughs> you're like a one to three a person company or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but back to the thing of, of sort of formative years and well, let's see if we can sort of recap a little bit. Well, hang on, yeah, let's keep going on it because I feel like I I got some
2: stuff I can keep talking about. Just warming up.
1: Yeah, so I think one is, is it's it's more about motivation than than singular experiences and. For me, it was a lot of books and movies, and then those created the motivation, and then that led to pursuing things with with Legos, with starting businesses for for making and, and building things, with woodworking and things like that. And then it was enabled by my parents creating an environment where we were allowed to make a mess, we were allowed to break things, things weren't precious. But on top of that, the... I think as a kid, if I remember correctly, it's been a while, I was very focused on the material world. Uh, And I think when, as an adult, when I look at my friends' kids, I always forget that kids are serious. Like we think of them as silly, but they're not. The media and consumer content that they consume is often seems sillier. It's like characters that are animated in a higher-pitched voice. And you're like, oh, kids like that, so they're not into serious stuff. But as a kid, I was really serious. Like everything felt really important, <laughs> right? Like, everything was super dramatic. Like everything felt like the end of the world or the most exciting thing ever. And you mm-hmm. want to get better at things and you're trying to figure out who you are. So everything that that involved competency, you're excited when you learn to ride a bike. You don't care if bike riding's not special. I was excited when I learned how to use tools. I didn't care if they were really basic hand or power tools every like capable skill I was super excited about gaining, as long as I could see a connection to how that could actually be useful to me. That's why I wasn't always super excited about every piece of homework, even though it was still skill building, because one, I didn't make the abstract connection between how algebra would relate to self-betterment, because I didn't understand how engineering worked or being a doctor would work which, you know, those educational uh, skills would be building blocks for those kind of careers down the road. What I did understand was forts and tree houses and rafts and things like that and go-karts. And so if I was super ambitious and motivated when you gave me skill sets that connected back to the reality I cared about. If I knew my friends cared about be- sports and things like that, I took You know, getting good at those things, really important. As soon as I understood how the values were related to the world as I was experiencing this, I worked my ass off and wouldn't stop and became obsessed with getting at better things. The part I just wouldn't take for granted was somebody telling me abstractly, do this thing and it'll be good for you later on. No, no, no. If I I didn't make the connection, I didn't work.
2: What you said earlier reminded me more about toys was... Shout out to my parents again, because all the toys I remember and all of the toys that were significant to me were toys that were not themselves enough to entertain you. Mm -hmm. So whether it's Legos, I think that's the easy one, right? Or G.I. Joe's or anything like that. They're all things that you have to interact with and you have to build a world around them or you got to be creative with them for them to be entertaining whatsoever. You can't just like look at G.I. Joe's in a non-creative way and get excited about it. Unless maybe you just really like the way they look or something. But the entertaining thing is figuring out some dramatic story. And basically, like, what I would do is just do a movie in real life with G.I. Joe's. Like, I would have a plot. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. And then I remember whenever I was 10 years old, maybe. That was when the digital cassette video cameras came into the came into existence. The ones mm-hmm. that had the small... yeah the small the small tapes Mm -hmm. and my parents bought one of those and i was completely obsessed with making movies me my brother and our our friends that was all we did was at first we would make movies with toys and we would not be in them because we were way too bashful and then (laughs) eventually we got like brave enough that we would film everything and i was always like cameraman slash director and everyone would always get really mad at me because I would be rewinding the tape so we could record new takes of everything yeah. and I would get mad when like I would get actually mad when people weren't doing kind of things the way I wanted I would like no this is what we're supposed to sing because this is what happens next we have to be serious here about it and so it's funny like even back then I was Really meticulous about the thing. Like, I saw the vision of what I wanted, and I got really, really kind of centered and obsessed with it back then, even.
0: You're like yelling at your friends, like, do you even know what your motivation for this scene is? Exactly. Well, (laughs) it's that because we would,
2: uh, we would like remake Lord of the Rings. (laughs) With G.I. Joe's? Like, we do what? With G.I. Joe's? No, with with ourselves. Like we remade the entire third Lord of the Rings from beginning <laughs> to end. Really? Obviously, it wasn't the full hour and a half. But it was so a solid. It was a oh man. Second channel. I hope I don't have it, but I know it's in my buddy Josh. It's in his parents' garage. Dude. Get to it.
0: Before it floods, before the tornadoes, hits it.
2: Let's have
1: a holiday screening party. Yeah.
2: It's like 35 minutes long. It's a full cassette plus a the little extra. Notes.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I'm not saying we're going to watch it sober. Oh, good. <laughs> Man, I would love to see that. If I can find it, absolutely. I would upload that to the Modern uh, Maker YouTube channel. I would.
2: If I can find... I'm, I'm going to send him a text tomorrow, and we'll, we're going to see if we can't find that. We night.
1: should do it like Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> us You're, commenting on it? Where we're the three of us are watching it.
2: <laughs> like a reaction video yeah. or whatever? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: Perfect. But yeah, what about what about you guys? What are some other childhood development things that you, stick
0: out? You know, the, the main thing that sticks out to me when you guys were talking about like toys and stuff when you were little... Uh, was i always remember me and my brother who's two years older than me and his best friend it was kind of like the best friend of the family um jacob who would he would just be with us like every weekend you know going to like different family parties and everything and a lot of times we'd be bored wherever we are because there like wasn't stuff to play with so just making up games out of like whatever few items we could find I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure every kid does that. I thought we were, like, the only kids that did it. And I always remember thinking, like, oh, man, I wish I would have written down every game that we've made because we must have made up, like, a thousand games. I can remember doing, like, yeah, like, stuff, like, where, you know, there'd be, like, a balloon with helium in it and, like, counterweighting it and trying to, like, get it to go around the whole block, but you couldn't touch it with anything. And just, like, making up, like, endless games like that. And so I guess all of that stuff kind of indirectly feeds into, you know, how I am now or whatever. But, um... Back to like uh, kind of like the entrepreneur stuff and and what you were talking about, Mike, about like checking out your junior year of high school. I was always very passive with um, like I knew that I wanted to do something creative and I always like had this feeling that like, oh, it'll just happen one day. Like it'll just click for me and I'll know when that time is. But I never pursued anything hard enough. I would just like passively pursue it and enjoy it. But I never really tried to like take it to the next level until this and I think a lot of that actually was sparked from having a family I think that actually Mm -hmm. did like flip a switch with me and like made me just start working harder not that I wasn't a a hard worker before but like I just I think I just always like felt like oh it'll happen it's just gonna naturally happen and then like it was okay there's no more waiting around now I have to actually go make it happen there was just like a flip that switched for me then for some reason
2: that's crazy I mean it's the same thing I would have to imagine because that's how I remember my dad as well as like he was always working. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Whether it was like working at his job or doing a side hustle or something like that. And yeah, I just like most of what I think of my dad is just like him like working because that's what you got to do when you have kids. Mm -hmm. And that's crazy how like that shifts. You know, it's funny. I would have to imagine.
0: Also, it seems like sometimes there's almost a negative connotation on that that society will say negatively. Oh, no, I know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that there is like, I think that that's a great thing for a kid to see Yeah, because I mean, that is kind of the reality of life is that the harder you work in general, the more you do get rewarded. So I I hope that I can keep doing that and that my kids will see that and, and pick up on that.
2: So speaking of kids, since we've had this episode that's going to be titled something along the lines of how to make your kids entrepreneurial or something like that. Uh-huh. And we have two people with no kids talking about that. <laughs> how is this, like in, re- in respect to now that you have kids, like seven? Yeah. Something that I remember very clearly. Last time I was in California, first thing I wanted to do was wake up and play Minecraft. Yeah. And off the bat, whenever I was talking about what I would... Consider like passive toys.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I think on the surface, a lot of people would think like video games are a very passive thing where it's right. kind of self-contained, right. but Minecraft is pretty
0: creative. It's like, oh, Legos. Creative, yeah. it's like
2: it's Legos in video game yeah, form.
0: It's basically digital Legos. I, I think that's a, a, I've described it that way too. And that's why, yeah, it's always been something that like, I'm happy whenever he's doing it. Cause I feel like he's so, and I've always been happy anytime he's done that. He's recently gotten into Pokemon Which... I was huge into Pokemon. Oh, man, I've got to show him my... i still got my binder with all of my cards. Oh, he just got a binder yesterday. He's been filling it up. But no, I mean, I like that. I mean, he's a little young for it, I would say. But... I think that that... So... Seven, I hope you're never listening to this. He... Cries a lot, like and so a lot of the kids on our street. There's there's mostly kids that are like two years older than him, which oh, I think okay. is really good because it kind of forces him to like have to up his game to kind of run with the big boys. So like, I think he's ahead on a lot of things like riding bikes and stuff like that because he has to keep up with those older kids. Yeah, um, and so I think like Pokemon is kind of the same way where like his older friends uh, are into it, and so he's starting to get into it. And even though like it might he might be a little young for it, and it might be a little confusing to him. I think that he'll still get ahead and like there are developmental things that I think can be gained from those types of hobbies or games or whatever. And so mm-hmm. I like to see him doing that kind of stuff.
1: Absolutely. I think it's so dismissive when you hear adults say, oh, they're just playing video games. What a waste of time. And they don't even know... Whenever I hear my friends with kids say that, I go, like, well, what kind of video games are they playing? Are they playing a role-playing game? Are they playing first-person shooters? Are they playing strategy games? Are they playing SimCity? Mm -hmm. What type of games? There's a huge difference. And I remember collecting baseball cards and football and basketball cards, and it wasn't about the cards. I didn't care about the cards. I cared about it because it was a type of currency and commerce that I could understand and be a relative expert with in my community. It was a mechanism of power and influence and and, uh, financial status that was all kid-scaled. Right, like It was within the things that we could afford to buy the packs. And we got really good at, I even remember, there's these one types of packs, and they'd have these special cards in them, but they wouldn't be in every pack. And me and my brother both noticed that those cards were a little glossier than the other cards. So we got really good at, in the store, sort of like feeling the pack and kind of sliding it between (laughs) our fingers. And if we felt that there was a definite slick point in it, then we knew there was one of those glossy cards in it. And so we would just buy those packs and increase our odds of getting these special cards which were worth more money. And that's not important to get these special cards that are now probably worth like $6 at the most. It's important to apply strategy for your own self-betterment and to figure out the world around you and the mechanisms of power. Uh, That's the, the important takeaways. And that can happen in... All sorts of different avenues. If your kid's playing a lot of video games, do you know whether or not they're good at it? <laughs> right? like, Right. Uh, are they creative at it? Are they someone that's really meticulous? What kind of player are they? Are they just a really precise and methodical grinder? Or are they someone that's really creative and figures out hacks and things like that?
0: Right real real quick just because i uh i feel like i put him on blast about being a crybaby, and <laughs> just in case i, I think it's in the future seven yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry seven no i was gonna say i actually find it kind of encouraging because i think it shows competitiveness yeah and i i hope that he is competitive because i was always very uncompetitive when i was young like i, I liked i was self-competitive i liked to be good at things and would try to get better but like if I played basketball or whatever, like I was not hyper competitive at all. I just like, Oh, I just want to play for fun or whatever. And so I actually hope that that is indicative of him being competitive. And because most of the time when he's crying, it's like, you know, out of like frustration of like not being able to quite keep up with the seven year olds or whatever. Um, right. And so, yeah, I mean, I just, I hope that that is the reason for that. Otherwise he's just a little baby. Awesome. Well,
2: what are you guys obsessed with this week? You've been watching anything new, exciting out of the box
0: yeah, I, I okay, I don't think I talked about this before. But well first off, basketball is back. Yes, so yeah. So I'm loving that, even though the Lakers are oh, on three. Yeah. How about that LA fight? <laughs> yeah, it was You know, I had said I remember Chris saying Ball. that night I was like, Oh man, this is gonna be like a playoff type environment for tonight's game because you know, the Rockets are supposed to be the number two team. They're coming off a loss in their first game, home opener with LeBron. I was like, Yeah, people are gonna be like I think Ant. I think it's yeah, I think it's gonna be going off and it did. But um, Well, way to go. You put was, it in the air. I was actually going to talk about a different lebron thing which is have you guys watched that show the shop on
1: hbo no i heard good things though
0: it's pretty good yeah like it's only they've only had two episodes so far i don't know what the deal is it's like a i don't know if it's a miniseries it seems like one came out and then like a month later another one came out it's basically just him kind of shooting the shit with contemporaries different famous people rappers other athletes that kind of stuff um but he does seem like pretty um Open, I would say, you know, as much as he can be, uh, it, it's definitely like a different side of him that you see compared to, you know, being interviewed post game or on ESPN or whatever. And yeah, it's pretty enjoyable. I, I've, i found it really interesting. I think that anybody would enjoy watching the, uh, few episodes that are out. I think there's two. Awesome.
2: Ben, do you have one? You go. I'm thinking. <laughs> but- All right. So I'm going to shout out someone from Oklahoma city, a maker And their Instagram is at basic, B-A-S-I-K, with, I think, three underscores in a row. It makes one kind of long, solid line. I don't know the person's name. I don't know anything about them except they make furniture and built-ins in Oklahoma City. And he does a great job. He recently just put out a sliding barn door with a steel frame and glass inserts for the panes and it looks really really great so check that out uh basic with a few underscores i think if you just search basic with a k b-a-s-i-k you'll be able to find it pretty easily um, found it in fact in fact on the podcast instagram i will share the post of the barn door to our story so that you can see that but mm, really cool stuff that he's making he's from oklahoma city so shout out gotta show some love to the homies
1: yeah, good use of asymmetry, and they also mm-hmm. do the edge profile from architectural profiles like I-beams and angle sections. They use them well to make steel bases for things, having a little more relief and and uh, detail.
2: That's pretty cool. Another thing I thought that was cool that they did was there was a staircase that had a round handle going up the stairs, and they just wrapped it in leather, and I thought that was a really cool look. It was something really simple, but just kind of elevated it a little bit so check them out b-a-s-i-k with a few underscores
1: all right so mine is an unusual one especially for me but it's safety gear Ooh. so I've been, I've been having to do some posts for amazon spark which is a as a sponsor that we have and yeah if you're ever interested in what i'm buying on amazon Go go to the Amazon app. Go to Amazon Spark. It's kind of like Instagram, but for Amazon products. Mm-hmm. And search for Modern Builds or Homemade Modern, and you'll you'll see some of our posts. And uh, I post most of the things that I buy on Amazon. Same. So, Same. Oh, side note, Mike. So you know how I was saying that we really just need like a, a LaCroix or a sparkling water that has caffeine in it?
2: Absolutely, yes.
1: I found it on Amazon. It's called Focus with a P-H. So ah. it has, like, they got caffeine. Some, art- some artistic
2: entrepreneurs
1: came up with that. Yeah, yeah. so they got caffeine. <laughs> I think it's, like, caffeine from, like, green tea. Oh, okay. And so it has, like, the equivalent of, like, three cups of green tea caffeine in each can. S- comparable flavors to LaCroix. Uh, they even have an unflavored one where it's just, like, club soda with caffeine, which is kind of amazing um uh, no calories but still a little boost
2: so basically like a zero flavor caffeine is what they're adding yeah awesome i like that
0: a lot you know i've never tried it but if i did and i didn't like it i would leave an amazon review that says this stuff fucking sucks with a ph
2: (laughs) (laughs) hey the cool thing is we didn't have to bleep that one because it wasn't a curse (laughs) (laughs) so perfect uh, but anyways, okay, so here's a side question really quickly before we send this to the outro. How much coffee is too much coffee?
1: Uh, more than three cups a day. Okay, cool. Man, but, uh, he knew wait. it. So, Well, I figured he might. But back to obsessions. So I've been documenting the different combinations of safety gear that I've been wa- been wearing. So it's like... If I'm in the sun working outside, got to have the mullet hat. But sometimes Mm. (laughs) you still need a face shield. So it's important to have the three quarter face shield because that works with a hat. Right. Whereas, like the full face shields, often you can't wear a hat or they don't work well with ear protection Mm -hmm. or they don't work well with a dust mask. So I've been going through and sort of documenting. Here's, like, the different combination of, like, face mask, eye protection, face protection, ear protection, sun protection, and then also adding in some welding s- stuff as well. And the reason why this is all important is because I've been thinking more about – yeah, I still think the number one reason why people don't wear safety gear is because they forget or it's uncomfortable. Right. Uh, and comfort, I think, is actually really important because if it's not, if it's an annoying thing, it's just become so easy just to be like, nah, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Um, so, finding the stuff that's like really good and comfortable and that works for you, works with the way you're built and the way you work, I think is, is good. And speaking of that, this isn't just so that we can repost other people's stuff, it's because we are working on some of our own gear. Notably, we got the sample back for the prototype of our welding jacket, and it is awesome.
0: Fire! It's so pH. good! Fire
1: it looks pH. so good! So, I don't know about you guys, but every time I... Well, my introduction to welding jackets was in a college workshop, and it was just the nastiest, grossest garment. And the shop teacher would always yell at us for not wearing them, but like no one wanted to wear them because they were disgusting, and they were, like, scratchy and they smelled bad. The sack. Right, so they're they're a pretty regrettable <laughs> piece of apparel <laughs> in general. Um but they're important cuz they, you know, get a lot of sparks and if you have clothing that you care about, then you'll get a bunch of little burn holes in it. Um so we said, well, why can't we make a welding jacket that's lighter weight than leather, more protection than just a fireproof shirt or one of those light jackets, something in between and you know a lot of other work clothes also double as casual clothing like Carhartt for example i know a ton of p- people that wear carharts or timberlands or stuff like that as more casual wear not just work wear why can't we make stuff that's super functional that also looks halfway decent and the you know the the kind of innovative and functional parts that we were thinking about was you know when you're welding uh, you know, you're taking your gloves on and off sometimes because some things you need to get your fingers free to like, you know, fiddle with the, the welder or, or move something around where you need like fine motor skills. And sometimes you can now push the sleeves up on your jacket. I've always hated when I've had welding jackets or, or sleeves that had buttons around the cuffs because then the gloves don't go in them easy and it's hard to button things when you're wearing heavy welding gloves. Now, the reason why you wouldn't normally do zippers is that the, the zippers could get hot. And then burn you through the thing. So we figured out a cool way to insulate the zippers so that they have two layers of canvas, a fireproof canvas underneath them. Came out with just a lot of cool features. If you're someone with a longer torso like myself that occasionally experiences a little bit of plumber's crack (laughs) and actually (laughs) have gotten like some fiery molten metal (laughs) (laughs) Uh, in unfortunate places, Uh, we developed a pretty awesome awesome little fold-down fireproof flap. That also tucks away really well for whenever you're wearing it casually. I saw on Mike's face, you're like, that doesn't sound good. It's actually cooler (laughs) than that. But uh, yeah, yeah, so that's been really fun. So I've been both looking at the existing sort of safety gear that's out there, figuring out how we can make our own better, more comfortable, and also just more practical versions for the way we make stuff. And uh, the, the welding jacket is the first prototype that we have. So still a ways away. Um, I teased it on my Instagram. It's if you go into highlight under maker brand, do that. Give us your input. I've already been showing it to a lot of my professional welder friends. Shout out to Eric from Cutworks. And uh, yeah, doing some cool stuff. Yeah, I'm really, really excited about this.
2: This is something that we've been working on for a good little while. And we are diving deep. I mean, we're getting custom templates of every piece of fabric made. We're sourcing The fabric itself that's lightweight, fire resistant, all of that sort of stuff. So this thing is no joke in terms of the way we're developing it. So I'm really excited about it. But there will be big announcements at a more timely portion of the podcast episode in the future rather than at the very end. So stay on the lookout for that. We're not going to talk about it too much. But thank you guys for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We're coming up on an hour. So I think that's a great place to end it. It If you're not already... Follow us at MakerBrand, where you can find more about what we're making and go to MakerBrandCo.com where you could purchase the wares that we have for sale. That's right. We have woodworking clamps. They're the best in the game. I'm just going to say it. Find clamps stronger than what we make. Also, we sell the best woodworking finish for oil-based projects or projects that require oil-based finish. It's called Simple Finish. Two coats. Two coats. You're done. It's idiot proof and it looks great. Links for that are in the podcast notes. I'm gonna do this whole outro over again. I'm doing a really bad job at it. <laughs> it's fine.
0: It's fine. Or no? only, only our parents are listening to it anymore. Anyway. At this. Well, yeah. Because I, because I'm doing so bad. Everyone tuned out. <laughs> My mom's like, I'm not buying simple finish.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, then if that's the case, don't forget to follow us at Modern Builds, at Four Eyes Furniture, and at Benjamin Ueda collectively we are at modern maker podcast also that's where you'll find our obsessions on this story on thursday make sure you check it out on thursday make sure you're listening to this show on thursday otherwise those stories are gone and you'll never be able to see them again so thanks again and we'll see you next time on the modern
0: maker podcast bye everybody later
1: oh bye